Welcome to the Discipleship Discussions Podcast. We believe everyone can be a disciple who makes disciples. Our goal is to help you with this process. Each week, we take the lesson taught through basic discipleship and break it down in a discussion format. Now, let's join today's discussion. I am Benji Linder, and with me is Dr. Patrick Latham. And we are excited about this episode. Today's topic is Keep on Praying. And hopefully you had a chance to listen to the teaching session right before this. And um, in the teaching session, you encourage believers, uh, Patrick, to persevere in prayer. And my mind first goes to somebody that's in a situation where they're in a dry season, and mm-hmm. you shared how you went through that. Uh, can you expand for us what that mm-hmm. looks like and, and how someone can have a plan, like you mentioned, but it not become the same old, same old? Yeah, I think, I think you know, one thing that's so important, important with that is just to recognize those seasons are going to come. Like we live in this idealistic society, you know, where we uh, imagine or express, expect base, best case scenario so often. And so we apply that to so many areas of life. And then we become really disenfranchised uh, when expectations aren't met. And so I think a lot of people are simply prayerless because they tried it before and then they went through one of those dry seasons and the devils duped them into believing that, Hey, you're just not cut out for it. That's for other people. You can't do it. And so, uh, so I, I think it's such an important you know topic to consider. So, you know, first of all, realize that dry seasons will come. Uh, you see those in scripture. I mean, um, even looking at the disciples and the narratives there and you see their failures I mean, you see, you know, Paul speaking of how he withstood Peter to the face because Peter played a hypocrite, you know. So just recognize, not that we use that as a license to sin or, yeah, yeah, you know, everybody has dry seasons. I haven't prayed in five years. You know, yeah, it's just my dry season. You know, we don't use that as an excuse or a license to be prayerless, but we use it to encourage ourselves when we do indeed hit those dry patches. So I would think just realistic expectations is a huge part of the battle. And then thinking about, you know, when you do go through that season, how to keep your wits about you, how to navigate through it well. You know, I think that's where it's so important to have, you know, good Christian friends. I have accountability partners. I have good Christian friends too that I, I can talk openly to about these type of things. So I can remember a good friend of mine, Eric Dean, who's a, a chaplain in the U.S. Army. Um, I remember going through a dry season on one occasion and over lunch, just telling him about it and being open and honest. And, you know, and he was so encouraging, you know, and just during that time was like, man, just know the Lord loves you. And he's not up there with a stopwatch saying how often has Patrick prayed and just hold on to that during this time. And no, you'll get through it, you know, and, and do something during this time that's more life giving, you know. Uh, maybe uh, read a book that will help you or, or maybe take some time off or maybe go do something that you love. Get away in nature and, and uh, ride your bike, you know, and spend a whole day doing that and just reflecting, you know. So so I would say, number one, realize you're going to go through a dry season. Then number two, you know, learn how to navigate through those dry seasons. So I, I went through one. I mentioned that occasion. I went through another where I just really tapered back what I did. And as far as um, Bible reading and prayer during the day, uh, just to rest my brain and rest my soul. 
and um, I had gotten in a rut and uh, had another friend, good friend of mine who encouraged me, hey, you need a season where you spend more time vegging out, you know, and just relaxing. Mm-hmm. So I think too many people do too much vegging out and relaxing, but we can get to where we've done too much performing yeah. and, we, and we need that. So those are just two examples from my life of where I've had to, you know, kind of reassess and try to limp through those dry seasons and then come through it stronger and then get back to making sure I have um, that time that Jesus spoke of when he said, go to your secret place and pray. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, you also advocated for uh, people to pray for ministers and missionaries. And <clears throat> I'm asking for you to really tell us the reason why. So if somebody, a uh, little old lady with gray hair and blue tennis shoes walks up to you at church and she asked, why should I pray for you? Kind of share with us your heart to the reason why you think mm-hmm. we as believers need to pray for ministers, missionaries, for pastors and staffs of churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, we've lost sight of the fact that we're in a war. We wrestle not, Ephesians 6, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of darkness and unseen places. So there's an invisible war all around us for souls, for hearts, uh, the devil wants to to steal people's affections from the Lord. And we know this, that the, the devil does have a strategy. First uh, Peter uh, 5, 8, he walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then we know he's very cunning and strategic in how he does that. Um, you know, he's likened to an angel of light that he's so sophisticated in the way that he engages in spiritual battle. And then when we just see narratives in Scripture, the the account of Job and the way he tempted Job, I mean, straight up, Satan knew what he was doing. He's like, this dude's got a bunch of wealth. I'm going to go after his wealth. He loves his family. I'm going to go after his family. He tempts Jesus, and man, he was brazen and bold. He knew what Jesus was on earth to do, and he was strategic in how he went about tempting our Lord. And so, and then in the midst of that, the Bible, that that temptation with uh, Jesus, you read of how angels came and comforted the Lord. So Satan is strategic in taking aim at those who are helping build the Lord's kingdom. And those who are building the Lord's kingdom need extra comfort and care and prayer, I believe, because, you know, the old cliche, there's a bullseye on their back, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think that's a reason to pray, and and we need it. You know, I know I need it. I, I used to hear this saying um, years ago in my first church I pastored. Uh, it was just kind of a local saying. If I said to someone who'd been sick or hospitalized, hey, I've been praying for you, I'd often get the reply, I can feel your prayers. I can feel them. I know you've been praying for me, Pastor. And I thought, that's that's kind of strange. That's weird. I don't know what that means, <laughs> you know. But then, after time as a pastor, and I hear people praying for me, I'm almost tempted to say that same thing. I do have this sense that uh, people are praying for me. There's times where I feel supernatural strength, supernatural wisdom, boldness, and provision to minister, and I just have to sit back and say, I know there's people praying for me, and man, I really appreciate it. Good, good. Now. 
when you mentioned praying for your family, how we, um, although it's not literally in Scripture, pray for your family. Yeah. You're right. It's common sense. We should yeah. expect to do this, and people should expect us to do this. Give us some specific ways that you pray for your children, um, maybe each one individually, and your wife. When you go to before the Father to pray for your family, yeah. what are some specific things you pray for? Yeah, first I'd say my family, you know, have a place in my prayer for Thanksgiving every day. And so, man, I usually spend time praying the Lord and thanking Him just what He's done in my life. And then I pray Him for both my wife and my children. And a prayer I pray often is, Lord, Your Word says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I've obtained favor from You. Thank You, Jesus. And then number two, I say, you know, that the Bible says, Children and inheritance from the Lord, you've indeed given me a great inheritance, and I'm blessed to be the father of my three children. And then I have them on my prayer list uh, by name. So I have a set period of time. I pray for each one. Um, I mix it up. It's not every day for each one, but I mix them up where I pray for two each day. So every other day I'm praying for two within my immediate family. And... Um, You know, with that, I have a lot of just common biblical prayers. I pray for them. For my wife, I pray some of Proverbs 31, so I mix some scripture in there. And sometimes I'll pray for them, and I'll follow the ACTS model of prayer in praying for them. So I'll praise the Lord for the institution of marriage, and my marriage has been ordained of you, and you are Lord of my marriage. And then I'll confess where I know that I need his help. I'll confess where I know I haven't been the best husband I should be. I'll often find myself confessing, I know I haven't loved my wife as Christ loved the church. I'll give thanks, and then I'll, I'll give supplications on her behalf. So those are just some examples, you know. In, in praying for my wife, I pray scripture. I'll pray for um, her strengths that bless me, and I'll thank God for those. I know what her struggles are. And so I'll pray for those. And, um, you know, I don't keep those on a list where she can find it or someone else can. But I know her well enough to know what her struggles are. We have open conversations about that. So I'll just take those to the Lord in prayer. There's one I've prayed for for a few years for her, an area of struggle. It was kind of neat one day I, I mentioned to her, you know, I, I pray for you. on the, Every time I pray for you, nearly every time I mention that. So I just take all those to the Lord in prayer. I found in praying for my wife, one of the biggest benefits is this. I can't pray for her struggles or her quirks or annoyances that long without being reminded of mine. So it's a way to bring me back down to reality. And it helps me in my marriage because then I feel like the Lord gives me more grace towards my wife and her weaknesses because by praying for them, the Lord's it's almost like after praying for a few seconds, he reminds me, you got your own weaknesses there, big boy. So um, so I found that to be beneficial. My children, I pray a lot of the same prayers at this season in life that, you know, for a long time it was, I prayed that they'd be saved at a young age and live for you all the days of their life. And then, uh, you know, I've added to that now that they're all saved. I pray that they'd have a love for God's word. I pray that they would have uh, learn how to pray. I pray that they'd remain pure unto marriage. I pray that they'd have an undivided heart to fear His name. I pray that they would have a spouse one day who would fear God. I don't know why that's kind of the prayer. It's not love God. I want them to have a spouse that fears God. <laughs> you right. know. And then I often pray, give them a career path or a vocation one day um, through which they can get great glory for you. I read a, a book on a, a missionary 
recently who used to always pray for his children, let them be spent for Jesus. And so I've started praying that prayer as well. You know, I'd rather see them be used up for the glory of God than be successful by the world standards Mm -hmm. and not love the Lord. So I gave you a lot there, but that's just a lot of of feedback there on um, some things I pray. Yeah, no, I think it's very, very helpful. Um, I have a, at the time of this recording, 11th month old baby girl, and I, mm-hmm. I pray for her before I lay her down in her crib. And, uh, I pray that God would save her one day, that he would call her to salvation. Mm-hmm. She would respond in faith. I pray for her husband to be, um, preferably I'd rather him not be as large as me, just in case <laughs> I have to pull out the intimidation factor. But seriously, mm-hmm. I pray for that because I know the impact that has had in my life. And, um, I pray that she would love Jesus and I pray that when she sees me that I would represent the best picture of Jesus Amen. I possibly can to her. And those are some things that I've been challenged. So none of that is original to me. I've yeah, learned from right. others and I find that to be useful. So if you're a parent listening to this, um, I feel like just in the last few minutes, you've gained a wealth of knowledge of how to pray for your kids. Now, Let's spin the table. I know your three kids. Uh, all of them have fun personalities. Mm-hmm. What are some funny uh, times that they have maybe prayed for you or maybe have had said, Daddy, I've been praying about this? Yeah. You know, when they're real little, you have uh, those instances where they they do some of those funny things, you know. And you, um, you know, I heard this wasn't one of my children, but I heard of the kid one time in my church. He They asked him to pray before the meal, and he said, uh, Dad, ask him, son, you want to pray for the meal? And he said, yes, sir. He said, okay, pray. And he said, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless all the good people and kill all the bad people. Amen. <laughs> so that, that was his prayer. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of stories, you know, like that, you know, as uh, children get older, you move from that to seeing them earnestly pray and um, seeing them cut their teeth and praying. And, you know, just this past week, having the family devotional time, you know, uh, have a time with that where, hey, is there anything you want to pray about? And give them an opportunity to do that. And it just blesses your heart to hear them pray for someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, just this past week, um, my youngest mentioned someone we know who lost a family member. We need to pray for them. And so he hasn't been a Christian that long, you know, and uh, but then he led the prayer for that person. So it's really neat then to hear them seeking the Father, talking to the Father, having burdens and prayers like that. So. Uh, and that's good. And you're talking about today, last week. Well, right now, at the time of this recording, we are about three or four weeks into this COVID-19 mm-hmm. outbreak. How has that changed your prayer life? Yeah, I would think uh, for me, I don't be honest, it hasn't changed duration or length. Maybe it should have. But I think when you get kind of a pretty solid um, habit of life and prayer, you know, there there could be things sure that lead you to either um, amp up your prayer life or cause you to kind of slack off in your prayer life. But I, I think I've been kind of in a season and a rhythm here of you know, a certain, as far as duration, gotten a pretty good rhythm. Um, you know, obviously that changes my daily list to some degree um, because there's a crisis, a pandemic in front of us. And so that's on my prayer list. So that's something I'm praying about now. You know, I have a place in my daily prayer list for, I have the word today and then the word future. 
And so those are places where I pray for what I'm facing that day and what I'm facing in the new near future. So whenever there's a difficult season like that, that by default just gets added to that area. So it also changes because my prayers for people change. So um, the overall structure of my prayer life hasn't changed much, but because there's a structure in place where I'm daily praying for certain missionaries, I have a missionary on my list each day, a minister, a family member, extended family member each day, friends who are in ministry each day. They're all listed on my prayer list. So just today or last night, I get a message about a church planter on the south side of Chicago and how um, the coronavirus is just hammering that neighborhood where he's ministering. And um, so that informs how I'm going to pray for Sam now, right? So um, for me, I would say that there's not this overall, you know, this overhaul of how I'm praying now. It just, when, when you've got structure in place, as we're encouraging folks to have during this, through this series, um, the structure's there. You'll have small tweaks based on what's going on in your life. No, no, that's good. Um, so for the pastor that's listening to this, uh, in your teaching session earlier, um, you mentioned praying for lost people. And this is an area where, uh, it honestly, I've been part of prayer meetings where it gets a little awkward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever someone submits a name and you realize, or I submit a name and I realize, Oh, they're related to yeah. another family. And it gets a little awkward. But how can a church have a good prayer strategy for praying for lost people yeah. and knowing the connection? And we've read so many stories of, and you have testified about praying for a lost person and seeing the Lord save them. Yeah. And really, that's an answered prayer. So how can a church implement praying for lost people? Yeah, I think uh, it, you know, for a pastor, if I'm speaking to a pastor, I would say to model it, to do it. Not just to model it, but do it to do it, because that's what the Lord wants you to do. So um, it starts with your own life, not just, you know, I used to hear that model it. I would say don't try to model it, try to first live it. And then you'll by default model it. So so try to live it. So what I've done is I've, I've um, and we could share more of this about this in series, but I just have a way of praying each day for lost people. And so um, categories. There's people by name on there, normally have five names, and um, and I pray for my own witness, and then I pray for those people by name. So I'd say do that. Now, in doing that, you're going gain to gain a greater burden for the loss, and you're going to be in a better evangelist. So then you will, by nature, end up modeling it in front of your people. And so, And then I would say when you have the opportunity to witness, then as a pastor, you tell your people about that, not to brag. And you got to be careful there. Some people take it as bragging. I've had people before, yeah, you were kind of bragging about, that's not my heart. You don't know my heart. You know, my heart was to give praise to the Lord for what he's done, but then to also hopefully shepherd. That's my job, by the way, is to shepherd and lead, to shepherd and model for our people, you know, what it looks like for them to practically be an evangelist. So, um, you know, do it, model it, and then try to lead it and instill it in the culture. So, you know, and that involves training, teaching, instruction, and leading and strategy. So there's so many ways you can do that. I've straight up taught series on that where I've given people bookmarks to keep in their Bible with a list of people they're praying for to be saved. I've um, 
you know, encouraged small groups, Sunday school classes, whatever you call them, life groups to have a strategy where on their whiteboard, they've always got a list or they have a prayer list. I've had special events where, hey, we're all going to look at who's in our, I use the phrase circle of influence a lot, who's in our circle of influence. And we're going to invite them to a special event or we're going to reach out to them better yet. Um, we're going to reach out to them during the holiday season, host them in our home. Laura and I have often done that and tried to model it. You know, we we try anytime we go through a season of like um, Little League, our kids are in Little League or Basketball League, that we're praying to identify one family we can witness to and we're going to have them in our home for a meal before the season's over or at the end of the season and share Christ with them and make sure they're invited to something at the church. So I just think through modeling that, doing it, modeling it, and then trying to instill it through strategy into the culture of the church, you can really get your church into praying for lost people. And you mentioned in there um, celebrating when yeah, it happens. And yeah. you know, when the church you know, doesn't celebrate, you can't really cultivate that into the DNA. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. And uh, I've heard you pray. Um, you, obviously, we've had meetings where you've prayed. Um, you have mentioned a lot of scripture in different settings whenever you've prayed. So mm-hmm. if someone asks you top three scriptures today that you were praying, mm-hmm. what would those be? Um, I, you know, I always go back to the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. you know. And so... I would say that's one that I use just to pray back to the Lord. And so, um, you know, neat thing I do with our family is when we have our family prayer time, I close and I'll say, and Lord, we pray with the Lord's prayer at the very end. And I don't even have to say, no, kids do it. They'll just start our father, which art in heaven. So I think that's such an important, you know, we don't want to pray it like from rote memorization in a stale, methodical, liturgical way. But it is such a powerful prayer. It covers all the bases. And so as long as we're praying from the heart to the Lord. So sometimes for me, I've just tried to, hey, I'm in between tasks. And maybe I'm going to another meeting or I'm on the road to meet somebody. I might just in the car out loud, bust out some Lord's Prayer. you know. And uh, sometimes just recite it from the heart to the Lord. Sometimes say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then do a little bit of impromptu praying. Man, you're holy. You're awesome. You're powerful. That's what that means. Thank you. You sit enthroned above the circle of the earth, you know, so and praying like that. So Lord's Prayer is one. Psalm 51 is a big one for me. Um, I'll sometimes open my Bible and just pray. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion completely. Wash away my sin and cleanse me of my guilt, for I'm conscious of my rebellion. See, I've done it now. I've basically got it memorized, right. you know. But I'll, I like to open that. It's David's prayer after he fails and commits adultery and murder. Haven't done either one of those two things, but I like to pray that um, just as a way to to seek humility and to put myself in the right perspective. Because although I haven't done those things. Physically, you know, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that all of us, you know, have the potential to do those things in our heart, you know. So um, just want to be on guard and say, look, and to keep the right perspective that, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I'm chief of sinners. God have mercy upon me, a sinner. And so that that's one that's near to my heart, you know, that I pray often. And then with that, you know, those are two of my favorites for just going before the Lord in prayer. 
I also like to recite the end of First Timothy 6. Paul gives kind of this blessing and um, I guess we call it a benediction. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where he talks about the Lord being first and last, Alpha and Omega, the only wise God who dwells in unapproachable light. Many times I'll recite that back to the Lord. There's one of Moses' prayers in Exodus I like to pray. Um, I like Isaiah's prayer, holy, holy, holy. So, um, so a lot of times I recite those, but then I think what happens in my prayers a lot too is this. I'm not necessarily reciting, but, but I'm quoting, Mm -hmm. you know, um, from just years of Bible reading. When I started in college, I was taught to read through the Bible year. I'm doing it again this year. Your mind just becomes filled with scripture. And I have the conviction that powerful prayers are biblical prayers. Mm -hmm. When Jesus says, pray anything in my name and I'll answer it, he's saying, pray anything in accordance with my character. It doesn't mean we just stamp on this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, at the end of our prayers. He's saying, pray prayers that are in alignment with my will. What's the easiest way to do that? Pray scripture to the Lord. So even in praising God, I, I might recite scripture to him. You sit enthroned above the circle of the earth. You are holy, holy, holy. You are the only wise God. Um, In praying for my, say if I'm praying over my prayer life, I would say, teach me to pray. That's a verse of scripture. Help me, Lord, to pray without ceasing. That's a verse of scripture. Um, So, you know, the Bible is just sprinkled all in there, and that's out of conviction. It's also out of, hopefully, um, an understanding of just how wretched and lowly I am that if I try to you know, get impromptu and do it on my own and pray my thoughts, then my prayers are going to be pretty pathetic. The best way is to pray truth to the Lord. That's so. right. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for uh, time spent during this Discipleship Discussions podcast. And that does conclude today's episode. Uh, and we believe that everyone has the ability to be a disciple who makes disciples. And make sure you check out the basic prayer series that goes along with this Discipleship Discussions. And I want to thank you all for watching, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you for joining us today for our discussion on basic prayer. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast. For show notes, visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the material presented in this discussion, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.